0: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. go. All right, here we go. Hi, this is Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so thrilled to have my next guest here. I am so excited to have her here. Uh, What she is doing is just absolutely incredible and so, so hard in many, many ways because she is taking on an entirely new category within the health and wellness industry that I think is definitely needed. Uh, There are other people who are doing things kind of around what she's doing, but really creating supplements and disrupting synthetic supplements, I should say, is sort of the core of what they're doing. I'm talking about Shizu Akusa, the founder and CEO of Apothecary and uh, rooted in East meets West wisdom. So after exiting her first business in 2019, uh, Shizu set out to disrupt synthetic supplements by launching a platform that makes plant medicine fun and accessible and combining ancient ritual and modern science apothecary was born so they do uh blends that are just absolutely incredible herbal alternatives clean herbal alternatives i should say and by the way she is just a force i absolutely loved listening to a couple of her her other interviews and um you know, definitely leads with the heart, but there's a lot of head in here, and she's—you can just tell—being educated along the way and curious, and all of the great aspects that I think every founder, entrepreneur, um, startup leader needs to have. So, very thrilled to have you here on the show, Shizu.
1: You speak way too highly of me and it's it's really mutual. I'm so happy to be here and thank you so much for having me and I'm so excited to kind of just have this conversation with you and um, share the
0: stories. Awesome. Well, very, very cool. So give us the backstory. This is your second startup. Uh, Can you talk about your journey? Um, You don't have to take us all the way back to being a kid, but I mean, what the heck, if if you want to go back that far. But what? sort of led you I always feel like the journey overall sort of leads you to where you are today and uh yeah. as Steve Jobs famously said the dots eventually connect but I feel like
1: yeah
0: it's crazy how uh how they really do but tell me a little yeah. bit about your backstory
1: Absolutely. So um, my parents were Japanese immigrants, and they moved to Vancouver in Canada. So I was actually born and raised in Canada. And I grew up on a farm. My dad was a cow farmer. So I grew up around a lot of nature, animals. I, had, I didn't have dogs as pets. I had ducks as pets. Um, and it was just like such a, an absurd way of living, at least compa- in comparison, quote unquote, to others at the time. Because I think when you're young, you do a lot of this relative comparison when you're young. And I think that really gave me so much skin of thick, like just thick skin. Growing up as an immigrant, growing up as a second generation, um, not speaking quite, you know, clear English at the time. And then um, I I left Vancouver and my, my first job was actually working in Wall Street. So I think what I tend to do with my life is like throw myself in situations that are completely out of like out of my understanding of the world at the time. and um, But when I, when I moved from Vancouver, I really wanted to be in finance. I really wanted to be in New York. And if I was going to do all of that, I wanted to work for the best bank possible. So I flew myself to New York without a job or an offer to come visit. But I knew one person at like Goldman Sachs, who I cold emailed, and that changed the trajectory of my entire life. I feel like having worked and someone believing you, that first belief in you, is is really the the one chance I think that opened up so many doors for me and I'm so so grateful for that and I keep in touch with him and my boss his name was Ted Goldthorpe to this day Um, but really I think the the journey from Wall Street to Well Street which I call wellness Mm -hmm. um, was really this like journey of I think self-discovery truly uh, and and bringing to light a lot of the the rituals and routines of Eastern and and how I was raised in my culture and ancestors and plant medicine and nature truly being as medicine. And so I think it really started on like growing up on a farm, working in Wall Street, then living in Mozambique on a banana farm so kind of like always being in nature and then moved back to to the US and started my first company. Um, which was a cold-pressed juice brand, and then now apothecary today, which is uh, rooted in nature as medicine.
0: How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app. No matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor, as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive. It's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part, you can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So was there a moment when you were working on Wall Street? I always say like, there's never any regrets right you learned a ton probably that really helped you to be able to do what you're doing today but was there a moment when you just said I'm gonna go and go into wellness and and really this is what I'm passionate about I'm always so curious like what was the tipping point for you
1: uh, you know, I think from, you know, apothecary both. So both both my first company, which was called Drink, uh, cold breast juice business, and then um, and beverage is very hard, as you know, so, mm-hmm. so hard. Um, and it took much longer than I ever had expected to grow the business to where I where I did. Um, and then with apothecary, it was always wellness. And I think Before wellness became an industry, before wellness and supplementation has become this massive category now, you know, 12 years ago when I started my entrepreneurial journey, it just really wasn't there. And, you know, I was just very focused on how do I bring some of these solutions that worked for me and my mental health and physical health issues to the mass market. And so that's what really I focused on. And I actually think with Drink, my first company know, it was was a very regional business versus apothecary. And what I believe what we want to do with this company now is is create real impact and real scale. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're opening up global shipping in Q1 and kind of just thinking about like, how do we bring more impact um, to the world? And we're starting to actually take HSA FSA funds and, and really start to bridge that Western healthcare with Eastern natural medicine and be one of the larger players and names that people trust to do that.
0: So I'm so curious, like, how did you know how to do that because you weren't actually dealing with FSA, for example, in, uh, in your juice company, right? Like how did you run across that? I mean, obviously you cold called somebody at Goldman Sachs in order to, um, ultimately get that first big break. So you're not afraid to, um, do the cold calling, but you know, is it, do you just sort of Keep talking to people along the way, and keep asking questions, and let your curiosity guide you. It seems like that's kind of the case.
1: Yeah, you. I think you nailed it. I actually, you know, I think where a lot of people that want to start their own company and founders, or that want to be a quote unquote founder, um, where they miss it is, I think that it's actually just about trusting your curiosity and Mm -hmm. learning and moving forward and taking the next best step in following that curiosity. Um, And it leads and opens up so many doors because entrepreneurship at the end of the day is all just about action. It's the people that take action, um, the people that like continue to move forward when other people are scared to move forward. And that's really what I think makes or breaks a founder and entrepreneur um, and and getting to that next stage of growth. And so I certainly... um, I'm still learning to this day because, you know, as the company grows, you hit new milestones, you hit new challenges, you hit new negotiation styles. And um, as a minority woman that looks perpetually like she's 15 until she's 50, um, like I, I I constantly struggle with being underestimated. And I actually, I, I use that to my advantage now in many ways where you know, if people assume certain things, you just, you surprise them. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of the biggest, um, joys of my career actually has been proving people both wrong and right, you know, both about their investment thesis in us and then right and wrong in that, like we have made so much impact over the years through multiple companies. And, um, but yeah, to your, to answer your question in short, follow your curiosity say yes to the next best thing that you know is going to make a move and impact. Um, But some days you also just, you don't make any moves and that's okay too. I don't Mm -hmm. think every day is about just moving the deal and doing busy work. It's actually just being really thoughtful about
0: it. So you had success with your first uh, company, uh, the Juice Company. Can you share sort of ultimately what was the exit and then how did that Really lead to apothecary
1: such a great question that I wish we had five hours to to answer. Um, so drink started in twenty thirteen when I was working at the World Bank on the side, and mm-hmm. I originally had a business partner and we met at Goldman together, and we were both in our analyst class. we were best friends and To be honest, I learned so much about this whole process of also having a co-founder because she eventually left the business and I was very ill-prepared to operate the company alone. And I think there were probably two to three years, and we kind of talked a little bit about this before the show, Of I think I had and was doing this business a little bit longer than I probably should have because I was just lost. I was going sideways and I was dealing with so much mental health problems of Not waking up to like 10 a.m. as a founder is like crazy.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. like
1: I I just was stuck in bed. I didn't want to do it. I couldn't get up. But what ended, ended up getting me up was just employees calling me or someone didn't show up at a store and it just, I had to just do it. And it was such a long eight to nine years. And looking back though, I learned so much. You know, we opened 14 stores. We had a partnership with Whole Foods. Um, we bootstrapped for most of it actually through the business and we used lines of credit and loans instead of raising a ton of equity. Um, so we never raised institutional money and allowed me to have full control on when we wanted to exit and how we wanted to use the, the free cash flow. Um, and ultimately what happened was apothecary was kind of started on the side as I was going through a lot of these mental health journeys. And I just knew that I wasn't doing a service to this business anymore, having one foot out. And my brain was completely out. Mm-hmm. And I was so focused on using herbal medicine to help my sleep because that was probably one of the biggest things is I was just taking too much, way too much melatonin, way too much, and then taking way too much coffee in the morning to then get me up. So it's like the world that we live in now, we're just, we're stimulating and then we're pushing ourselves down to lower the cortisol there's no natural rhythm in our circadian rhythm anymore in our bodies and it's like that's not a way to to live mm-hmm. and I, I i was really i was also drinking a lot you know i was drinking a lot of wine and going to happy hour and going out dancing and i would feel horrible the next day and so it's that perpetual cycle that you just realize is not sustainable and i just knew that drink was not at all Kind of where I wanted to focus my time, and so I felt like it was the best choice to sell the company and then go full time in apothecary. So I was able to exit with you know money in my pocket to start apothecary and bootstrap that, and then return an investment and return to our investors at the time for drink we were angel investors, um, but they actually just invested right back into apothecary as well. And so
0: oh, that's great. We we're
1: very very fortunate to have yeah have such supportive investors, and then ultimately move on from the first company to a natural herbal medicine pharmacy.
0: That's awesome. So you were obviously, it, through drink, you were learning so much about, uh, you know, elements in, in in herbs, but also just in, in health and wellness that were really going to be helpful to make uh, you feel better. Other people feel better too, and so it was like this natural progression. I feel like that really helped yeah. you to, yeah. you know, come up with this idea. Uh, I would imagine you had no idea um, how hard it was going to be, though, to to sort of do what what you were going to do, um, in different ways, but you're also learning a ton. What would you say were sort of the big surprises in kind of building the company that maybe you didn't sort of think like, Oh, wow, I had no idea.
1: Um, there were so many, you know, so we launched with apothecary right before COVID happened and Mm -hmm. we were very unprepared for, so we had our own facility. And so we were doing all the shipments from this facility And when COVID happened, obviously we had to go into social distancing. I was in New York and our facility was in Virginia and I couldn't go. And so for about three or four months, it was like all virtual and learning how to like scale up a production um, from what was like 10 orders a day when we started to like doing 500 orders a day in like a week. And it was insane. So like there was that piece of growth. Um, and, and, just supply chain that happened in 2020 when we couldn't get enough product. And then, you know, and then, and then the rise of startup and, and money was like, it's a whole other kind of thing of 2020 and 21. One of the biggest stories though that I think still sticks with me to this day is when we got hacked by Russians in the middle of 20, in the summer of 2020. Oh my <laughs> and God. I can laugh about it now. It's so, so painful for me, but we got hacked through Instagram. Some, you know, we two factor authentication, frankly, in my opinion, was not a huge thing until 2020 when COVID no. happened. Everyone started to work remotely. I didn't even know what two factor was until 2020. So we didn't have it on, and that's completely our fault. We, but we certainly got hacked. Instagram didn't do anything about it. And we got held for ransom, and we had to pay some Bitcoin, which I did. And, 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 and this was a course of 24 hours because they were like, you know, if you don't wire this money by Sunday morning, cause this happened on a Saturday then, or the Bitcoin through Coinbase, then we're going to just delete everything. And, oh you know, we had 75,000 dollars at the time. It was, it was insane. And like, I, I didn't know what to do except say, okay, well, this may be just the cost of doing business. And, and when I talked to friends that worked in dark web, They were saying that, you know, historically speaking, like, if you don't do that, then there's no such thing as a dark web industry. So by nature, by paying them, they will return it to you. Otherwise, no one would ever pay them. And so I kind of followed that instruction and ended up paying them. And I waited and we never got it back ever.
0: (laughs) And I feel like
1: an idiot to this day, kind of like having done that, uh, but I had to make a choice, and I, you know, I had to just trust where my gut instinct was. And clearly, maybe that wasn't right at the time. But we ended up, you know, moving forward. And you know, now we have two hundred twelve thousand followers. Who knows? Maybe it would have been three hundred thousand. But it's 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 numbers at the end of the day. Um, and we learned a lot. We're very very secure now. <laughs> uh, oh my but we gosh. were like six people at the time, you know, and sharing Instagram accounts and, and handles, and we had no idea. Um, but waking up at 5 a.m., you know, to saying to having a, a Russian email saying you've been hacked and, and your Instagram was completely gone was just like it, it was mind blowing for me.
0: Oh yeah. my gosh. So what a crazy, crazy learning, uh, for, sh- for yeah. sure. I mean, that is uh, a big wake up call, but again, you learn from kind of the hardest lessons and, oh and challenges. I'm sure you've for- had crazy stories like this too. Oh, so many. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely nuts. I mean, part of the reason I was telling you, I wrote a book three years ago, um, that is called undaunted that it's, uh, probably the most honest, um, account of an entrepreneur's life. There's so many stories and, and along the way and dealing with co-packers, um, you know, dealing with the early days of not actually knowing how to make an unsweetened flavored water with no preservatives in it. Um, you know, lots of things that, um, that, You know, I had no idea that I would know a ton about. I know a lot more about water and uh, about water quality um, than I ever, in a million years, thought that I would. Right? And uh, certification processes. I mean, you know, this is a long time ago, two thousand five, when we started. So, and I came from tech. I did. I did not come from the food and beverage industry. Never worked. At, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean it was a whole new learning, but it was also a lot of fun. Like I would wake up every yeah. single day and, you know, super passionate about learning. But there were definitely hard days where, you know, I always talk about it as, you know, the the curve, right? Where it's like a super yeah. high and yeah. then the lows. And you never know yeah. when the lows are coming, it seems. Um, there's not yeah. this Yeah. You, know, you never that's warning. such a great
1: point. You never know. Yeah. You never
0: know. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you have to deal with it. And I think it's, um, that's probably the hardest thing that I think, uh, I hear so many entrepreneurs say is that, you know, the, the spikes, the ups and downs, I think are, yeah. the are real. Right. And you have they to be, yeah. um, you have to, and oftentimes it's not totally low. You've got some good stuff going on in the company, but you're yeah your brain is focused on the terrible, right? You've gotten of hacked. Course. What do you do? And so yep. you can't right. let the good stuff go that's going on in the company, right? And yeah. I think yeah. it's I get it. It's 100%. Such a hundred Yeah. Yeah. It, and I think
1: as CEOs you there we we are tasked to deal with the hardest problem first and the most. Uh-huh. And that tends to be one of the most complicated and longer problems. So we deal with the same big, big problem for a long, long time. So both the frequency and the intensity is is really high. And so, you know, it's something that it's certainly, I think a lot of people have, have talked about and the velocity of ups and downs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So you are, first of all, I sort of skipped over the most important part, but how would you des- describe what you're doing at Apothecary? And you have 46 yeah. SKUs yeah. or ish uh, right around there. So yep. um, incredible blends. But what do you, why do people come to Apothecary? Let's start there.
1: Yeah. I think it's this realization that. You know, so first and foremost, I guess to take a step back, when Apothecary was started, I was walking through CBS and Walgreens Mm -hmm. and I had my aha moment when I was walking through those aisles because I was looking to buy my parents a gift from the US. And like they love health stuff because they're in their 80s. And as you gift your loved ones something, you really look at the labels and you really, especially your parents that are aging. And I was looking over every single supplement bottle in the pharmacy and I was like, this is gross. This is old. This is on sale. I don't trust it. And I realized there was nothing good in the pharmacy. CBS Walgreens, these billion dollar companies, and that shift to better for you ingredients that has happened in grocery has not yet happened in pharmacy. And I looked back at to, to how I was raised. And when I got sick, or even frankly, in, the, in, in Asia, before you get sick, you take a lot of these herbs and dark medicinal kind of brews and mushrooms and it's, it's standard out there. Mm-hmm. And so th- that aha moment combined with my, my lifelong passion for using nature and whether that's like the more philosophical being in the forest and like that absorbing, you know, your your, your mental fatigue and, you know, just walking through nature can be so healing that combined with opportunity, combined with this timing of COVID where people were so focused on preventative health and their immunity has led to this huge rise of how do we bring preventative health care to the world? And how do we do it in a way that is both you know accessible from a price point, and so hence the HSA, FSA stuff, because we feel like we really want to be available for people to use on their, their medical plans. Um, And then secondly, this understanding that plant medicine doesn't need to be like psilocybin or mushrooms in order for it to be effective. Um, It can be herbs. And frankly, Mm -hmm. there has been a ton of herbal companies, but they are very fragmented. It's mom and pop shops. And they've never had had the scale to do a lot of the education that apothecary has had and, and has really done over the last four years. Um, And it's not easy to build a brand that people can really actually trust. We actually are hosting a class today on herbal bitters. Um, So in every month we do these classes during COVID, we were having community groups. And so I think it's an, it was a timing and opportunity. um, And then just, I think our team that like was very, very passionate about it, but in short plant medicine as alternatives to over-the-counter supplements Um, that make you not just treat the symptom, but really get to the root
0: cause of illness. So how do people know what they need?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really, really good question. So we actually do consultations for folks, mainly for that reason. Um, Mm -hmm. So we do about 50 consultations a day across the country and in Canada, um, where people can just book these 15-minute free consultations. So you can take them on Zoom or on phone. Um, we kind of just hear what your background is and what you're looking to take or what you're currently taking and what you're looking to swap out for. And we can make like a custom bundle or herbal regimen for you based on those results or based on those those facts. But, um, you know, that is what I would call something that doesn't scale, right? Um, You know, when when Airbnb founder Brian would talk about, you know, do things that don't scale originally, this is exactly that. And we're actually mm-hmm. taking a lot of what we're learning with this consultation program, investing in our tech side. So we have three full-time developers on our team. Um, and we're building a roadmap for folks to be able to use traditional herbal medicine practices, like showing your pulse rates, your integrated data on how many hours you sleep, um, how many steps you walk what your cortisol levels are throughout the day and your glucose levels and your blood sugar. And on top of that, be able to layer on more visual parts of like your eye shapes, your tongue color, because those are all very important from an herbal medicine practice and, and kind of be able to then actually make personalized recommendations in real time based on the data and the segments that we have. And so that is an investment that we're making now for like probably launch in like 12 to 18 months from now. But I always believe that as a business owner, you have to be thinking five years in advance, not just where you are today. And products are all really easy, to be, to be really honest and clear. Coming out with herbal products, anybody can do that. That's mm-hmm. not my competition. What we're really, mm-hmm. really focused on is making bigger and bigger steps to really open up this world of preventative health and using technology and people's data that they already have to actually get to like real personalization. And we're not talking about a quiz. I mean, we have that, but at the end of the day, a quiz is, it's just, it's just input output. Um, but real personalization is kind of where my head is and, and focuses right now.
0: So you are a hundred percent online. Uh, the, the company yeah. is D2C. So why yeah. did you make that decision from the get go?
1: Yeah. um, Well, part of it was because we launched right before COVID and we didn't really have a choice at the time. But um, and then I think another reason was before that with drink, I was all brick and mortar and Mm -hmm. I really didn't want to do brick and mortar again because it's so hard, as you know beverage and brick and mortar in a cold chain. It was so hard and I needed a break. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I we just kind of started on e-commerce and, and for the last four years have really focused there. But in the summer, we actually launched in retail for the first time um, out in London. And so we actually are in sell fridges out in London as a, as a nice sort of pilot and test because we, we eventually want to be um, serving customers in Asia. I want to bring apothecary back to Middle East, Asia, London, Europe, um, and really be able to serve the world in terms of herbal medicine. And that's always been the goal. And so I don't think Mm -hmm. retail is actually going to be a huge part of what we do, at least in the next one to two years. It will be much more focused on building a household name, a category disrupting brand in the world of natural
0: pharmacy. So what are your most popular SKUs that you have?
1: Oh, you know, the, the, the category of sober curiosity and non alcoholic has exploded. And also, probably part of COVID is we were all drinking probably way too much, um, you know, wanting an adult beverage after 20 Zooms a day. And we quickly, um, you know, became sort of what I would call a stress pharmacy. And so while non-alcoholic tinctures and products that we have are sort of like our best sellers at the end of the day, I don't think of them as necessarily just non-alcoholic. I think of it as a stress getting to the root cause of your stress and making it socially acceptable to do that. Because still to this day, even though you can buy like a, you know, a kin euphorics or a recess or something like that, you can't necessarily buy that at the bar yet. And so when you go to happy hour, you feel socially isolated And we wanted to bring out products that people can actually take with them to the bar. And so like our tincture drops are great examples of something that people slip into their purse, bring it to happy hour, drop it into your soda water. You get very similar feelings of bliss and less stress, Um, but you don't get the sugar and you don't get the hangover and you don't get the alcohol. um, And you feel still like you're kind of part of your community without feeling totally isolated from that. So definitely non-alcoholic is one of our main categories in the portfolio right now.
0: I love that. And some of you have 46 uh, SKUs, uh, as we talked about earlier, like give or take. How do you decide uh, to launch new ones? I feel like it's always really hard, especially in the health and wellness space, maybe in the beauty space as well, where you're always hearing there's this new trend and we've got to, you know, follow it. Uh, versus staying focused on, you know, what is really working. I mean, how do you manage yeah. that? Like, it, I, I always view it as, um, as, you know, a real challenge. Um, and I'm so curious what you think.
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, what tends to happen when things aren't going right, I think for f- many folks is that you start to just launch new products and you just layer it on top of each other and on top of each other and on top of each other because it's a way to get like short-term revenue, but longer term, it's not necessarily like what drives lifetime value and I think real profitability. For us, you know, from apothecary standpoint, we need um, from a pharmacy also both breadth and depth and then there's multiple formats that we also have. So whether it's single serving powders or tinctures, um, and, and soon to come new formats as well. Um, there's, there's a, at least in herbal medicine, there's an, a potency part and then a treatment gap part. So in, from what I mean from potency, powders are again ground up herbs. They're not, it's not super potent, but you can use it really easy into your coffee, your smoothies, and you get all of those benefits. But you're not going to necessarily take your powders with you to work or on the go. Mm-hmm. And so that's where tinctures kind of come in. Tinctures are something you can take right under your tongue and it goes right into your bloodstream and they're extracts. Um, and what's really interesting about our tinctures is that they're full spectrum, meaning that they don't have alcohol in them. And typical tinctures do have alcohol in terms of how they distill it. But we, mm-hmm. we actually evaporate all the alcohol and then we preserve it using glycerin, allowing it to be a little bit sweet. Um, so that also covers a thing that the powders don't have. They're, they're not sweet at all. Uh, and so it's really important for us, at least, that we cover different use cases at different times in the day, different potency levels, and, you know, hitting on hormones, but energy and stress and sleep. And so, again, that's kind of why we have 45 different SKUs. But to my earlier point, we're also learning. You know, we're coming mm-hmm. out with different SKUs, but we realize that lifetime value-wise, maybe our single herbs, don't really have a ton of benefits. We're actually cutting out like 15 of them. Um, hmm. By the end of the year, we won't really be offering things like chlorella or moringa. And, and they're valuable and we include them in, in our signature formulas, but it doesn't mean we have to sell them by itself. So a lot of like testing and learning, trial and error, and then looking at the numbers because the numbers are the only things that don't really lie. I think our emotions can lie to us. Um, I think our desire and hope that something would work can lie to us. It can be blinding, uh, but the numbers will never lie.
0: Yeah, and skew rationalization uh, for sure. I, I yeah. think is is so yeah. is so key. But I love that you're actually launching and trying and uh, yeah. and you know. Then going back and looking at the data too, we actually uh, did that, you know, with Hint, and we were actually just trying and trying to figure out flavors. Especially um, mm-hmm. when we couldn't get it into uh, stores, we would launch uh, smash ups yeah. online. We called them, and it was yeah. interesting because yeah. um, you know you would learn whether or not it was so interesting to compare one smash up to the other smash up because you would be able to see exactly, um, whether or not it was going to be a bestseller that we should launch into stores too. Yeah. 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 It was super, super interesting. So can you share any great stories, uh, from your journey with apothecary that has had a significant impact on you personally or the brand? I, I feel like, um, you know, those are the stories from consumers, uh, in particular where they're telling you that it's like changed their life in some way. Um, that yeah. that definitely yeah. uh, has helped me with during those harder times and challenging times, dark days yeah. with growing hint where yeah. it's like you know, knowing that you're actually helping people. And I would imagine you would definitely have some of those uh, encounters.
1: Oh, um, of course! Yes, one for, first and foremost. I think there. I've actually learned to reframe what gives me the most gratitude. I think in the day, and I try to seek goodness in every single day instead of the one big thing. And and mainly because, and we kind of talked about this too—the highs and the lows. Um, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but my whole mentality where I am 12 years later in this journey has been staying immune to praise and staying immune to criticism. And Mm -hmm. so there's, there's almost like this, like mellowness to, um, or stoicness or Buddhism. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm just like day to day feeling just grateful and fortunate to be alive. So I, I can't say there's, there was one big moment that like, is blissful, but I actually think of the, the really hard moments that make me feel really fortunate to be where I am today. And I think one of the stories I will never forget is being trapped in a hotel for 10 days because I was filming for Shark Tank um, and we filmed and we never aired. And that was one of the most really hard things for me because I moved across the country to take a bet. This was during COVID and I left New York to move to San Francisco at the time or California and i lived in i was in vegas for 2 weeks for shark tank um because everything was on shutdown so they couldn't do it in la and i left everything to take this bet that i felt like would take this business to where it should be and i wanted to be on air and i wanted my ego was like so in it and we never aired you know we mm-hmm. got cut and but the process of being on film on a Sunday morning at 5am crying on air for an hour and a half, you know, for an hour and a half, the remote, there was moments where I was crying. Cause Mark Cuban would be just like grilling me on stage and it was all entertainment, but, uh, we got two offers and, but I'll never forget like Barbara Corcoran, who was like, you have two things going for you. One is you and one is luck. And, Again, like I'll never forget this moment and opportunity that I had, even if it never manifested in any kind of PR or TV, yeah. mainly because like we had the opportunity and yeah, timing didn't work out. We luck didn't work out either for us to air, um, but we got, we, we took a chance and we keep taking chances and yes, while we never aired to, to have a million dollar day of sales, you know, we are still so far along, much more farther along than I ever would have envisioned. And so I think it is those hard moments that actually make me feel so much more um, grounded to to what I do every day.
0: Absolutely. And opportunities, right? If you, you know, wouldn't have put yourself out there. I mean, just these experiences that you've been able to have are just enormous. So we all make mistakes along the way. Uh, If you could go back, would you do anything differently? Oh, maybe the Russian hacker story, right? I mean, that is, you know, <laughs> so that yeah. it, of the 400 something episodes that I've done, your episode uh, 469, that, that we've yeah. never had anyone who has had a Russian hacker that they've admitted um, has been on. So you, yeah, you win on that one for sure.
1: I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think one of the thing mistakes for me has always been hiring. I, I think that mm-hmm. I've made mistakes on the people front. And some of that is, uh, I think how we hire and how we choose people in our lives as relationships, whether it's people that work for you or partners in life, so much of that has to do with our historical traumas and previous experiences. And I, I always have to like, make sure that I, um, am not being held back by my blind spots and or my impatience, which tends to happen a lot, I think, for second time founders, blind spots and impatience uh, in how I hire. But I've made so many mistakes, I think, in the last four years on like hiring someone because of their resume, hiring someone because they asked for money. So I thought maybe they deserved that and hence that they had more experience. None of that has worked out great mm-hmm. for me. Um, not firing fast enough because it impacts culture. Um, not doing proper reference checks the right way you know, not just asking them for the three people that they know, you know, so it, it, it really has to do a lot with the people front, I think from a learning and mistakes, but um, look at the end of the day, I'll probably continue to make hiring mistakes because that's just the nature of the game is like, you have to just make a choice and you'll never give up giving people a chance, but if it doesn't work, you can you, you continue to give feedback, I think in a really loving way, it doesn't need to be rude, but I tend to be much more, um, authentic in how I give feedback and much more fast in how I give feedback. So they are never surprised if they have to ever go from the company or if they ever go into performance review, not getting a bonus. And so um, I think learning into being very comfortable with discomfort has been one of the best blessings of my life.
0: I love that. That is uh, incredible learnings for sure. I feel like, you know, when we take the time to really look back on those times, I mean, even in the last five years, what you've learned um, about, you know, through managing people, through the Russian hacker, through, you know, building your business, whatever. (laughs) I mean, there's so much there that just makes you a better founder, a better CEO, a better leader. Um, you know, all of these encounters, uh, they all add up. And uh, I think you are such a force and I'm so excited for everybody. So thank you. Well, for everybody to try Apothecary because it's uh, really, really terrific. They go online. We'll have all the info in the show notes too, but um, best of luck to you. And I know you're not going to need me saying that to you because you you're already off to an incredible start but uh really really excited to see where uh you go um and uh and congratulations with everything that you're doing right now
1: oh and likewise you are such an inspiration for me and so many people and i am so thrilled to to be talking to you today and to to share stories and war stories. thank you
0: Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023. And goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness.